episode of Movie Time. I hope y'all are doing well out there. And we are uh, also now podcasting on Blab. So it's like we've added a new feature uh, to us. Not only do you get us audioly, you get us visually as well. And with me, I have my amazing co-host, Kinte. Hey, Kinte. Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm doing very well myself. Uh, how you been since the last time we we're talked? We're in living color. I know, right? You know what's so funny is uh, so many of our guests wanted to do it like this before, and there was nothing I ever felt comfortable in really doing. I didn't really like the Google Hangout very much. But thanks to our guest tonight, uh, I think I might have found our way to pull this off. Yeah. And yeah. We have our incredible guest tonight, uh, Alexia. Hey, how you doing? All right, doing good. Excellent. It's like, uh, are we ready to t- uh, to get down and dirty with the film uh, industry right now? Because you know it that it's like film markets up right yeah, now. That's so true. that's true. Yeah, ready. Excellent. So tell everybody a little bit about you and your background. Okay. So I have a white wall yep. in my background right now. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a blue one. And I'm trying to hide it. It's really ugly color blue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've produced eight feature films. And uh, you might have, the biggest one that you might have heard of is a documentary about an Oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. Which, which you can view on Hulu if you're in the United States or Vimeo if worldwide or Amazon or all that stuff. It's all out digitally and all that jazz. And First started experimenting making films about sixteen years ago, mm-hmm. and I just love it, and I'm I'm doing it every day, and just keeping on, keeping on. Fantastic! And it's like, so how did it get to be in this crazy business of ours? Yeah, it well, it's the universe. I, I always say it's the universe that decided. Um, so when I was 11, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I was just, I was really shy when I was younger and my mom put me into acting classes and I'm like, wait a minute, this is an option. And I was like, okay, I like dressing up. I like playing. This is fun. We're all friends here. Uh, and, and this is a way I can, you know, I have so many interests. Uh, I could do all of them, right? I could play a doctor or a teacher, you know, all that stuff. But then I did theater and then, and I transitioned into film. And then, so at at about 16, I knew I wanted to do film because of the culture and the collaboration. And you could really do both. I was very into arts and Mm -hmm. experimental art and costumes and um, photography and drawing and painting. So I found that film was a lot easier and people were a lot more open to experimenting. So I, uh, I decided, all right, I'm going to do film. I'm going to focus on film as my art. And then, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm creating the drawings. I'm creating the photography. And then my friends are making, and I knew I'm like, all right, I'm going to make films. And I started, uh, experimenting with my friends and then, um, just kind of went from there. But I also was very into computers. So I went to computer camp when I was 11. So I, I, ver- I had this really great support system 
especially in even in the public school system in the United States. Mm -hmm. So that really helped my development, really, but as a person, to know that hey, and luckily I was on Long Island. Um, and I was very close to New York City, so there was a lot of options for acting classes, for networking, for internships. While I was in school, I went to SUNY Purchase, and I did a lot of internships at film festivals with other directors that were doing things, uh, low-budget films for distribution companies, film festivals, all of that. So I was very, I was open to the world of film very early on, and I was able to then take action. And be able to go forward, and now you're also uh, using a different aspect as well into the crowdsourcing, crowdfunding platforms as well, and yeah. expanding your networks. Yeah, and, and that came later on. That wasn't in the beginning. There was no such thing as crowdfunding when I first started. When I graduated school in 2003, as a new media major, you know, there was no crowdfunding. There was no Kickstarter. That didn't even come to like 2009, 2010, and I did my first campaign in 2010. But before that, I had been going to conventions. I had been putting my stuff, at, my short films out on DVD and building a small following that was interested in me and my artwork, you know, and my films. So that really helped when I start, when it did come along and this opportunity, it really is, it's an opportunity and a way to market yourself and what you're doing in your art. Absolutely, and it's, it's ever so evolving now as well. It's like it, as the rules are changing, so is the whole platform changing, and it's like now also it's not only, you know, just put up a, a website, it's more social media that has to come. Do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the social media aspects in regards to, like, crowdsourcing? Sure, yeah. Excited? Sure, yeah. I mean, one thing, especially in social media, live streaming has really been a crucial element to show your you are, like how the vulnerability of who you are and your project and your art and your intention and goal of what you're doing. But so you have so many different platforms that you can use to share your. Your, your art and but the still the foundation of it all is your the intention of what you're doing so with my film it's I want to inspire millions of millennials about self-discovery and sexual identity it's about so that's mm -hmm. crucial and then also in helping people relationship that you're building with your audience you're helping them and and often people and and my fans message me and ask them saying like, Hey, I'm thinking of, I don't want to call myself, you know, um, bi, I want to call myself gay. You know, wh what do you think about that? And they kind of want permission. And, and so it's interesting how the relationships with myself and my fans sometimes come together, you know, but that's from going, that started from going to conventions too. 
Yeah, and it's constantly evolving uh, that field and as well. It's like especially because it's like you know you as you build your audience for your projects as you're building your audience for your brand as well to be able to constantly trend them forward and let them know what's going on. So how do you feel it in terms of when it's too much or not enough? That oh, it's a case by case base basis, really. Because it's too much when you get sick, you know, because of all the efforts that you're doing, that your, your personal health declines because of all of the social media you're doing. Then it's too much. Other than that, you know, it's like kind of, you, I mean, everybody has their different opinions on how many times to post on Facebook pages versus Twitter and Instagram but you just, you, everybody has their own opinion. I mean, for for me, I mean, Facebook pages, I might post twice or a pre-schedule post twice. And I'll try to make that video or pictures or things, something like that uh, on my page. But then my, my personal profile, if I'm in a campaign, I might post more because it's more just like things are happening, you know, and Twitter every 15 minutes, you know, something really gets, you don't see it anymore. So literally you can post, you know, 20 times a day, but you want to be, make sure those times are high times, basically like where people will see it. So you can check, there's websites and apps. You can check like twiriot.com to see when your people are awake, you know, you know, actually looking at your Twitter. So you're not going to post it waste your time posting at at midnight, you know, unless you're doing something live like this, you know, so, yes. so, you know, like, okay, well, for me, eight, it's kind of like eight to eight sort of thing, you know, like the people are, are bustling and people can actually see and engage. It, it, so, yeah. It's like for all of us who are tutorially challenged, because I am tutorially challenged in regards to that, it's like, uh, you know, in terms of posts on Twitter, it's like, it, it, do you find that Twitter versus Facebook versus other social media platforms, do you find them to be more immediate or do you find them to be less helpful or depends upon the campaign that you're trying to run of which do you lean on? Oh yeah, it totally depends on the on the campaign. For past campaigns, I really focused on. Um, I, I was surprised that uh, uh, Tumblr a lot of response from Tumblr, but from for this one, I haven't found that. You know, I, I've also found that each time I do a campaign, it gets more specific. And I get more targeted, especially with my time, mm -hmm. because this, it's a lot of stress doing a campaign, whether it's like a theatrical launch, a book launch, whatever you're doing, a crowdfunding campaign, it's all the same, really. So have fun with it. Now, um, Absolutely. Now, uh, building and also uh, developing a fan base um, how would you say that you've gone about doing it? Because, you know, it's amazing to find people that love to, you know, support what you do. But how do you, 
how do you interact with your fan base and keep them engaged in, you know, even when you don't have something coming out, you know? Yes, totally. That's so one thing I do is I have an email list. So people sign up for my email that they've signed up in the beginning when I met them in person, when they bought my first short film or they sign up via my website. And I like to send out an email at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. If I'm doing a campaign, it's like once a week. Um, but that's a very special time. Uh, and what I'm doing, a lot of the, they, I, a lot of them I've met in person. So it's, it's a very special relationship between the fan and the creator. And, and then also, I love doing live streaming interviews. So I have a live streaming show on a platform called Swoopy, called Hashtag Creative Life, that I've been doing for the past four months um, of added value and content. And I started doing more here for a personal, um, uh, just fun stuff of adding value to the community on Blab. So I, I feel that is your that is your value. If you're not giving the community value, you're not going to get anything back. Absolutely, and it, it's quite important with the community to make sure that they also understand what is it that they're going for. It's like uh, what I'm going. Uh, what I'm guessing I'm going to ask is with it, with each film. It's like, do you find that? you build your following or do you find that you have to then cut your followings into different categories? It, that's a tough question. Yeah. It, I feel like they do have a little category, like my documentary about redheads, uh, ginger girls. Uh, when I post on there something about my, my new film, I don't get as much, you know, I put like a random redhead meme like I get I've gotten like 94 likes on one post and like a whole bunch of comments and and like you know great reach and I'll post something about my newer film and well but yet sometimes my backers will will back one project and then back the next one and then the next one so it doesn't really matter and I teach, and when I teach about crowdfunding, I, I often tell my students, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're crowdfunding for. Like, you could be crowdfunding for, you know, a product um, or like new cookie, cookies or something, <laughs> or you could be, you can be yeah. crowdfunding for, you know, a cookie movie. <laughs> you know, the main thing is you. So they're not, people are not going to, back just a random person making the best cookies in the world in the world if it wasn't for you and that connection to you mm. so, how so do you, uh, oh, go ahead, when you're go on no, I was just going to say um, how do you um, allow yourself to be out there to share with your fan base who you are and you know I think we talked about this on the last show uh, that we did together but, you know, um, there's got to be a certain line where too much is, you know, you don't give too much of yourself. And also, you want to remain authentic, too. How do you do that? 
So I didn't hear the last part of that. And also, too, uh, you want to remain authentic, too. You don't want to ever come off uh, phony or fake or you're just tap dancing for a dollar. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I do love tap dancing. <laughs> you use both sides of your brain for that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you focus on what lights you up, um, definitely. Um, so I do love dancing, literally. So I, I love... You know, that really re-energizes me when I do dance videos and I just post it just for fun. That's it. But I do, I feel like I do, yeah, I do give my fans a lot of me. And and I feel like it's rightly, rightly so because I want them to have a relationship with me um, that is true and authentic. So I love to give and I get emotional fulfillment from giving. So thank you. If it's about crowdfunding, film, or or about sexual identity, whatever it is, I'm I'm open. I'm there. So. Mm-hmm. So it's vital to make that connections with it. Have you found that it's also evolved over the years, and how has it evolved? Totally. Um, yeah, I, I I find that I mean, with any relationship. Uh, it, you have different phases where you're more open to to be yourself, not just yourself, but um, to bear if it's talking about personal stuff or, um, I mean, privately, but still with certain people, you is including your fans because your your fans become your friends. So it, it's there's not for me. There's it's a, it's a fine line between your fan and a friend because they become your friend and your family, really. Very true. And also with them as well, um, do you find also that your crowd is maturing as your films are maturing as well? Along with that. Totally. Totally. Because we're all growing at the same time. So totally, yeah. Uh, Alexia, don't get mad at me. I haven't matured yet. So <laughs> it's coming though. It's coming my maturity. But I, I want to uh remind the people that this is a live show and you can of course call in. The number is three two three five two two four six zero one. Uh once again that number is three two three five two two four six zero one. Also, you can uh participate if you're on Blab. Uh we do have an open seat. You can come in and ask a question or you can uh submit a question in the chat room as well. So all of these avenues are open to you guys. Uh, please make sure that you guys take advantage of it because you don't always get these opportunities in life. <laughs> very true. Uh, very, very true. And it's like also uh, what I wanted to talk a little bit about is that do you also find now, uh, how do you sell a screenplay? That's a very interesting question. Well, I've never sold a screenplay before. But I have heard from other people that have sold screenplays that they go to the international markets like Cannes, like the American film market. And one guy even had a sign about his idea and just stood in front of at the American film market. He was from Spain and he got an offer. He got a couple offers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's like also contacting agents to represent as well as also um, a lot of times it comes to the in this day and age, you cannot have just a screenplay, by the way, in regards to that. You've got to have a whole lot more to your package than just a screenplay. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit more about that also? Sure. Yeah, I would definitely um, attach some actors uh, and cr even crew to your project because a lot of people, a lot of executive producers are looking for packages. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And they want to see how strong the package is or isn't to begin with so that they can build and have building blocks on it. Also, yes, I would encourage uh, you well as well to look at some of our previous ones because we actually also had a packaging agent who talked a little bit about this and we will be having Todd Berger coming up in the next couple of weeks to also continue our talks on this as well. And uh, so he's going to be a fun one also, Alexia. And also yourself as well. And in regards to crowdfunding, um, it, do you find that the paperwork is also becoming a lot less now that there is new avenues that are happening it's like a, that we're starting to go with everybody being a, a accredited uh, unaccredited or accredited depending upon source well yeah yeah we especially it, i mean all the laws are they're all changing right now so yeah we don't have to get that ten thousand dollar you know document <laughs> to get investors it, we have yeah no longer is there the ten thousand dollar document there's the uh, there's the equity angle that's actually now happening with equity crowdfunding even that has changed uh, the face of the platform it still is labor intensive but it, how do you feel that it's do you feel it's going in the right direction? Do you feel that it's growing? Or do you feel like that for some reason it's starting to become just too common an avenue? I don't, I, I don't think it's common at all. I, I think because we know a lot, of cre a lot of creatives crowdfunding, but a lot of people still don't know what crowdfunding is. Yeah, it's like... Uh... Yeah, it's very hard to define it. So can you define it for our listeners, for those who are not aware of what crowdfunding is? Yeah, it's uh, crowdfunding is uh, basically a platform where you can put up your project and ask for contributions uh, and basic pre-sell rewards based on your project. And also the campaigns have started to change and evolve as well because you have to have a crowdsourcing component now along with these campaigns. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. And how do you feel that the crowdsourcing feeds into your crowdfunding campaigns? I, I think it's essential. I think it's essential for marketing no matter what. If there was no monetary um, reward for it, it would still be important to show that your project is wanted in the world. Yeah, it's like, it definitely, you have to show that, even to financiers as well as uh, people who are, whether they're credited or unaccredited investors, a lot of people do want to see, in terms of that, that you do have a fan base. Yeah, including distribution companies. 
how much do you think that we're uh, we're starting to still rely on pre-sales in regards to that since crowd uh, since in terms of fan basing it's like i know that it's a huge component to a lot of distributors that you have a good fan base because it's like they a lot of people will not even look at the project unless that there is a demand for it yeah i think it's really important i i even had distribution companies message me through kickstarter um about my film and it wasn't even done yet so now distributors are actually looking for projects that have all of that work and done and people are waiting for it and you need really need to do this anyway you have this plan in place before you get to the distribution so much and they have the same plan for every film unfortunately now let's talk about uh, Alexia the actress um, what does Alexia bring to a, a part um that is unique to her. What are some of your your skills as an actress that you that you bring to a character? Well, I mean, it depends the character, but it, it, I bring I bring myself. I, I bring my my personal experiences. I, I bring my awareness. I I bring I, my sensitive side. You know, <laughs> my, my my fear, all my fears. You know, I bring all of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, now, what's your strong suit? Uh, dra- drama, comedy, uh, action. What, what do you think this is the best? I mean, I'm, I'm, I can cry, you know, uh, on a dime, and I'm, I, I think I'm pretty funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like, I like to see that. I, I bet you could, uh, you probably can kick some butt too. <laughs> in a part, um, I know I'm gonna have to work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to um, take a moment to uh, do a, a shout out of uh, everybody that's with us in Blab, um, and forgive me if I say your say the name wrong. Um, we have uh, in I think this is Inquisitive Stein, uh, my yeah. my Charlie S D uh, V L I I, of course Grayson. Uh, we have T H Layered. We have Welt Wealth. Oh, these names are priceless. Of course, we got Max, uh, and then we have uh, uh, Up Music as well. So, uh, shout out to those people in the chat room and those people that are hiding. Hi to you guys as well. So, uh, what what kind of parts would you like to play in the future, other than maybe stuff that you've uh, produced yourself? Um, I don't. I, I don't know. I I I kind of let things I'll, I'll let the universe decide, <laughs> you know. And I I usually just say yes or no to a project based on the intentions of the project and, and especially the difference um, it wants to make in the world. Mm-hmm. So so world changing projects for sure that you uh, it's like it, what is. One of the things we were talking about with uh, a couple of the people, uh, with a couple of our, oh goodness, we uh, we seem to be having an audio thing that's going uh, that's going on. Is there a particular storm in Cali that's going on? Uh, nope. Uh, it's been raining, but but uh. Okay. Yeah. All right, there we go. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, you were saying there we go. Uh, Grayson? Because one, uh, one of the main things that have, uh, has been a huge thing that we've talked about with a lot of people who it's like in behind the scenes, it's like it, from an actor's point of view, what is it that you want your director to give to you and in terms of the actor-director relationship? Uh, other than being paid? <laughs> well, yes, other than, <laughs> you know, it's like you, when you're on set. Because it, it, it's important that the actor, <laughs> yes, I would love to be paid. All of us love to be paid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want I, I wanted the director to be clear on especially those, those intentions that they are putting out into the world, their vision. Um, also, just care for, for everybody on set, cast and crew. You know, little little thing and big things like that kind of go a long way with the intention of the film and the energy that the film takes on. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with the director, it's like, how do you feel? It's like, do you enjoy working with an actor's director or do you prefer things uh, to be more along the lines of a more organic type of director? It's like, who do you love working with and from that because you also have the behind the scenes point of view how does that work for you because it does work a little different a little bit but I find it only helps um, because I'm I'm just more aware of everything that's going on um, and other times I, I don't want to say like let's say I have another role on a production like one production I, I did a script supervisor uh, role on a music video. Uh, now, luckily I didn't tell the lighting guy that I'm also a director and a producer. Mm-hmm. So, so it can work just because what people think you're thinking, but I feel like everybody wants the best for the production. So. For a long time, it's true. All right, we we have uh, someone who joined in the conversation, uh, Drake Taylor. How you doing, man? Hey, hey, how are you doing? Hey, Drake. Hello. Hi. Hi, Drake. Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you fine. We can. Okay. Fire when ready. Your question. Okay, I would like to say first things first. I would like to say that you're doing a great job. Thank you. Second thing. Thank you. Keep it up, and maybe you will be a billionaire one day. A billionaire? <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, I'll work on that. That was a layer. All right. Thank you, Drake. <laughs> That's funny. All right. That was funny. Hey, you'll be a billionaire one day. <laughs> All right. If anyone else wants to join in, please uh, do. Yep. Uh, and uh, as we're also talking a little bit more uh, about in terms of crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, it's like what uh, what sites do you think that are the most active over and which ones do you feel are more overused? Which ones do you feel that also help people the most? 
the crowdfunding. So we're going to go into all three. Yes, okay. for crowdfunding as well as also sourcing components. Okay, so for crowdsourcing, let me start with crowdsourcing. So I enjoy using a crowdsourcing platform called Thunderclap, where you can. Mm -hmm. I love that platform. Um, and for people who don't know, they people can support you by spreading the word using your Facebook, Twitter, and a Tumblr. And because it doesn't cost them to do it, but it's still the effort, you're getting people emotionally involved in what you're doing. And it really helps that emotional, like, hey, I got 209 people to back me on Thunderclap for the beginning of my, before I even launched, feels freaking great and you need to go into a campaign especially a crowdfunding campaign but really any campaign and your book launch your theatrical film distribution your uh, your whatever it is with that energy so that is a favorite yeah that's definitely a favorite for crowdsourcing um i am loving what rocket hub is doing um, I'm part of this contest right now where with Ovation TV, which is the only arts channel in the United States, has teamed up with Rocket Hub and they are featuring us on the platform. So and also giving us like one on one support with phone calls, with advice, with tips, with all this stuff, retweeting us. That's not a normal thing. They are specifically do, doing this because I was chosen, like me and, and 50 other projects. But that initiative of, of even, it takes time to do that, uh, a, a creative initiative like that. It's all creative projects. And they, it took them even eight months to put that something like that together. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they want sausage. So, queen, it, sausage. Sausage Queen wants to know, Alexia, have you ever heard of Own Zones? No, I'm checking it out now. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna have to look at this later, but okay. it looks interesting. Yep. So uh, it's like, have you also looked at things like, for example, with um, Slated or DFCN and other networks as well? Yeah. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on those? Everything helps. It is. I I know some people are slated, and I think um, it's good just even to put everybody together and to see what people are doing and and where people can collaborate. But the in the end of the day, it's those relationships that create things happening to to happen into the bigger scale of things. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely, it's like it does help. Uh, it's like they definitely do help because they do have a lot of good resources and legit resources, and they do actually um, do a lot. Of, especially DFCN, it's like they do a lot of vetting of their people as well. It's like to make sure that you are actually speaking to people who can be movers, shakers, people who can move the project forward for you. In terms of crowdfunding uh, platforms, it's like which ones do you like, hate, or feel that are overused? 
Well, I, I don't think I can actually say which ones I hate. <laughs> but like legally, publicly or legally. Um, but let's go with the love then and feel overused. I I think um, no, I like what Kickstarter is doing, and I I've raised a lot of money on Kickstarter and I've, I've helped many of my students raise a lot of money on Kickstarter, um, including my subject, Bill Plimpton, who's, who's raised now, um, between three campaigns, uh, over $200,000. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, Kickstarter, there's still people on Kickstarter and they're still improving their platform, which is great. Uh, I think Rocket, uh, not Rocket Hub, um, but I mentioned with, uh, that I love them, uh, and and they're also opening up the crowd equ- the equity, uh, which is exciting. Uh, GoFundMe, GoFundMe for just the regular pro- project that's not e- not even a film project is like a personal project. Is super easy. I even watched uh, somebody in a community that I am in of a lot of female business coaches raise money. She raised fifteen hundred dollars in an evening because everybody got behind her because everyone wanted her to go to a specific conf- conference that she couldn't get to, but she won a ticket for. It's so easy to put up a page with just a picture and text or video. That I even did a joke, sort of joke one, experimenting with it, and where it worked because it's just so simple. They make it so simple. So I actually I like that. Um, it's not for every project though. So I, a lot of projects I would say don't use GoFundMe, but it for other people who are sometimes tech not not as tech savvy, even they can use it. So, mm-hmm. especially medical funding um, campaigns and things like that, or a memorial. My mom even put a GoFundMe page together. So, so I I like GoFundMe for that simple, you know, just dumb down idiots guide. You can always do a GoFundMe campaign. And of course, there's also Kickstarters, there's Indiegogos, there's so many of them that uh, have out there. And now that we're getting into equity crowdfunding, it's like, uh, do you find that then people will start becoming a little bit more open with it in regards to it? Because prior to this, it's like you had to be dealing with, um, they were considered not accredited investors and your accredited investors, though they were interested didn't exactly like the idea of non-credited investors coming aboard as well there. Um, now everybody can be considered accredited or non-accredited. How do you think that that's changing the way that things are going? It w- time will tell. You, you know, it really is the same thing. It depends on the project. Is something an art-based project? Is it a mainstream comedy-based project? You know, it, does it... Does it look like they're going to get people are going to get their money back? You know, it, it it's just all it's a project like case by case basis. So with the same thing with the platform you use, 
you're going to still now just have another thing to figure out. Well, do I want this a donation based? And and for my art films, it makes sense that I'm doing donation based uh, crowdfunding. It's an art film, okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. Versus say a comedy with with a very mainstream. Um, even plot, you know, and, and, you know, style, that would probably make more sense for equity-based crowdfunding. Interesting. It's like, it's, uh, it's like with the equity crowdfunding, it's like, do you still find, though, at this day and age that people are happy with the just giveaways that are happening because of their donations, or do you feel like that this new ROI model is going to really start to take shape? It's, it's the different, there's still two different people. So you always need to make sure your rewards are personal, you know, and, and, but you always get a, um, for, for me, I, I always get a, an emotional fulfillment from giving to somebody or whether I'm going to get my item or not. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like, basically it's one of those things of that a lot of people tend to want to jump in on, uh, on that as well in terms of crowdfunding because they like the project, don't like the project. Um, do you find that they, a lot of the people who are, crowdsourcers transfer into your crowdfunding campaigns or do you find that some people are like okay we're gonna rah 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 cheer you on but um when we ask you to open up your pocketbook and make a donation the no no it it's they, it is the same people you know even if it's five or ten dollars it is the same people that donate that are are emotionally with you hmm. interesting so, and they'll, it's like, have you, and they invest in multiple projects with you. Yeah. And, and myself as somebody who's donated, I've, I've now donated to like 89 projects on Kickstarter. Um, cause they keep track, you know, <laughs> and, um, wow. um, so, so there's one project that I donated to, he completed the project and he asked me to to share it on um, my Facebook page. And then I'll become part of the Thunderclap. I joined the Thunderclap. It was for a theatrical screening in Los Angeles. Even though I'd watched the movie, I still bought mm -hmm. tickets to that movie when it came to town because I knew he was doing a theatrical release and he was going to be in town and I was going to be able to meet him. Of course, I'm going to buy two tickets. So not just for myself, but for somebody else even to come with me, even though I've seen the movie already. Oh, absolutely. It's like you would definitely want to have that as well. Um, now, here's a question. Let's talk about building the campaigns, because it, it's something that we haven't gone into before in regards to building it. Um, to build a, a campaign in terms of crowdfunding or crowdsourcing is a lot different. Each campaign uh, I know is individual, but let's talk about some of the fundamentals for building a crowdsourcing campaign and then some fundamentals about building the crowdfunding campaign that needs to be in there. It's very similar. Um, you still need to have all of the information, your, your images and your text, um, but 
it's you just don't need as much. You don't need like a whole video yet. Mm-hmm. But you still need so, a plan. Yeah. Just okay. the piece of the plan versus the whole, the whole board. Okay, so let's talk about some of the components of that plan. What would you say that come into those components? So, well, my notes are in the other room, right? No, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so many I know, it's like so they always put you on the spot like that. No, there's so many moving parts. So, one, I, I like to get the domain name of my project before I even have the website. Um, or even if it's just a page on my website, I, I'll, I'll grab the domain name so I can use that domain name when I'm doing a thunderclap. I can put the domain name in there so that will go to the crowdfunding uh, page. Also, and also when I'm doing an interview, I'll, I'll send the, the domain name, which goes to the crowdfunding page. Um, campaign while it's running and then afterwards goes to my website so I don't lose them on another platform other than my website I don't have to tell 10 people that interviewed me that hey can you switch the link because the campaign's not running anymore are they going to want to do that I don't think so so that's one part that you want to do right away so then set set up say a thunderclap campaign that you have to wait three days for that to get approved. So setting that up with the text of like what you're doing, why, big why is the most important part. Um, your image. Uh, so you might want to use I use Photoshop to create my images. So that's even having a a mock image for your poster or your, your project. Uh, so there's that. Oh, build. I mean, building your following. Uh, so I mean, for, I've been. Uh-huh. That's something you do for years. But you, you want to at least have a, a month, two months, m- months or years before you're going into a campaign, and also a following of at least a thousand. This on your Facebook, so especially if you're going to raise you know, five to $10,000. So that's very, uh, very true. Yeah. Now, what are you thinking of the proof of concept, the trailers and stuff? It's like, do you use a lot of those in your campaigns? I, yeah, I do. So in some, in different stages. So in the beginning, I don't have a trailer, but I have a little bit of like, past films that I've done and a, a little bit of, so of who I am and what I'm doing and me basically. So that's the explain you're explaining the yeah, what this is going to be about and what it's going to feel like. So yeah, but the most important part is you, you being in your trailer in your pitch video. So making sure that you put yourself as the face that's out there as to why you want it, yeah. as opposed to what uh, this is what the movie is going to eventually look like. Yes. You, you and can this have, is what the final product is. Yeah, you can have both, but you are the most important because that's who they're giving to. They versus you as a human being versus a company, like versus Paramount. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
<laughs> well, you you are a company yeah. <laughs> unto yourself. Um, now, I, yeah. I, I want you to put your filmmaker hat on, and um, you know when you have a film in in progress, what is the one thing that keeps you up at night when it comes to uh, uh, making a film? Oh, she's every part, every part, every part of it. Um, well, what's the thing the most that, that you worry as a producer, filmmaker, the writer, actor, craft service? Um, well, you want to make sure everybody's on the same page and that n that cares about, I mean, nobody's going to care about the project as much as you, but you want them to care at least as much as they can um and and know that they're they're in it you know like you are so that that's a big thing and i mean each each day is you know there's another thing you know is your actor gonna say the lines right are are they going to have a fight with the GP, you know? <laughs> so, so they, you know, um, is it, are we going to get all the scenes in that we want? Uh, is a sound going to, are we going to be able to hear it? You know, is the sound going to be okay? You know, you, there's just so many things. Like, are we going to have to do ADR in this? Or uh, there's so many aspects. So that happens when you're making the film. At when you're doing the crowdfunding platform to campaign where they're like, Oh, are we going to get press or not? Or, or are we, you know, is that person that said they were going to donate actually going to donate? Or are they going to flake out? You know, that happens. You know? And, but guess what? When that person flakes out, you know, somebody else it makes room for somebody else to come in and they do, they do come in thankfully because you are putting yourself out there and you're taking a risk with, with your art. Mm -hmm. What's Absolute, uh, absolutely? Is that my IMDb that they put what, up? What there? gets what gets um? Th does it get it easier with each project? Uh, those kind of things that you worry about, or do you do you worry about it as much still as in the beginning, or does you know what changes with each project? Uh, I think it does get easier a little bit um, because you you're a little bit hip to the things have ha that have happened before. Uh, so, I mean, you learn along the way, but it also gets a little bit harder because you challenge yourself and you want to do better. And so you might take extra time to do certain scenes or just get, just get things to come into play for with the locations, with the costumes, with, with every every aspect of it, with with the camera, you know, just everything. So, uh, I think, uh, yeah. So, yes and no. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're you're in um, pr uh, virtually all of your um, your movies. Uh, how do you um, how do you direct yourself? Like, uh, how how do you get the best performance out of yourself when you are the director? Yeah. Well, it's really easy. I do what I say. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, that, that's, it's actually for me, 
when I'm working with another actor and then I'm directing, it's easier, especially with when I'm doing a lot of improv, it's easier to be in the scene and directing because all I need to do is be present. You know, if I'm present for them, they're going to be present for me. And that's what I make, I make sure, especially in casting, that's really where the work is done. Mm -hmm. If I know that they're going to be present with me and then that's, that's it. Um, like, so I often know, I'm, I'm just very particular with my casting, uh, and then also just making sure that the cast is present for, you know, the, for the acting, because if they're, if they're present in, or even in conversation, if they're listening to me, you can tell. Mm-hmm. So, the, uh, like, how do you, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, just to expand on that, so in lower budget of filmmaking also, though, because you have that dual role, it's like, do you find that the timelines also affect that as well? Um, I don't think so. I shoot pretty fast. So Mm -hmm. I think it it probably helps. I mean, I I know I'm going to show up. And I know I know what the lines because I wrote it. Uh, so and and I practiced it in castings. So. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, I feel like things go a lot smoother and a lot faster when I when I act um, in in the in the films. So, but you know, um, so when you're in the scene. Like I've always wanted to, you know, to ask this to directors who uh, direct, you know, direct and be in it. When you're in the scene, how do you know that you got what you want? Is it a feeling? Is it? Um, do you rely on maybe your DP, or I mean, is there someone else on the set that you that you from that can give you, you know, which, you know, uh, what you're looking for, or knows that what you're looking for, or, or do you look at the dailies, or how do how do how do you know that you you nailed it? Is it just a feeling? It's just a feeling, you, you know, and you, you, you got to work with people you trust, um, that they got your back and they, they know that, oh yeah, um, we got the shot from multiple angles. We're, we're good. Um, but sometimes you don't hang and have multiple angles. You just, you just, you, it is really a feeling because, because that's when you want to portray, you want to portray that feeling to, to the audience. Cause if you don't have that, then you kind of have a boring scene. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also your director DP relationship because it's like your cinematographer can tell you as well. Also, the feeling of being genuine, or also your AD that's on set can help you out with, uh, you know, did we feel uh, like what has been going on in the scene? Continuity also helps with that as well. Yeah, but yeah, but especially that relationship with your DP. Uh, I even yes. Work, I, I worked with a new DP just recently where we co-directed uh, a branding video. Now, when we shot this uh, video, we already had uh, this uh, language where we didn't even have to say, like, oh, no, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go, you know, you're all like, oh, I know who's going to answer this question. So I'm going to pull them. Yep. So that, that awareness and that, like, sync, especially female DPs, you know, like, I feel like if you have a certain sync with somebody, keep them around. 
um, because those are the people that you Definitely. want. Those are the people that you want on your set. Yeah, I had a situation where I had a new marriage with a new DT, a new DP that for a particular time, and it was kind of the okay with my DP that I normally have. I don't even have to speak. I'm like, we have to, yeah, and he's like, and then we're going to, uh, yeah, okay, let's do this. <laughs> kind of thing it's like with the new uh, with the new person it was like okay try and teach the language of like this is what i want this is where <laughs> yeah and it, it wound up it wound up good but it was one of those things of like you know having a new pair of shoes that you have to kind of sort of break in <laughs> right yeah and and you, you usually in conversation you can kind of you can tell but not until you finally work with them you know, yeah. real, you're like, okay, you know, this is working absolutely amazing. Like, you don't want to let this person go versus, you know what? I didn't really like the feeling of uh, that producer on set. Um, he doesn't need to be there, you know, for the next one. And very much, it's like also being in terms of female directors, it's like as well, and also as well as also directors in general. It's like you have to have that relationship with your DP because sometimes your DP, uh, if you want to get the shot, it's like you have a certain thing they're trying to go for brevity of time in terms of that because also budget is dictating that as well. And it's a, if you have a really good relationship, you can have a nice, great compromise with that where if you don't have that relationship with them, it's one of those things that they can feel like they take over the shot and you're kind of then pushed to the side as a bystander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you definitely don't want that. And, and it's, I don't like that many, like, a, I like a small crew. I don't need extra PAs to, to do nothing and stand around um, or move the garbage. I'm like, I could perfectly take the garbage out. So, especially my last film, Little Fishes. Oftentimes, there's just me and my DP and the actor and some Wi-Fi mics, and we just did it. And we were able to get some locations that we would have had to pay thousands of dollars for, you know, for free. Um, so not only did I save money on all the, the extra crew, but also the location. There you go. Look, hey, anytime yeah. you can save some money and get the job done, it's always good. That's for sure. Um, so, uh, um, I guess we're at the point, uh, are you ready to do some rapid fire, Grayson? Indeed we are. All right. So Let's rock this I, rapid I fire off. I don't know that if, if we've done rapid fire with you, uh, before in a previous show, but, uh, we'll pretend like this will be the first time if we have. All right. So rapid fire is where myself and Grayson, we will pepper you with some questions. I'm more of an, on a personal tip. Uh, nothing too, you know, too, uh, personal. We, we don't get down like that. Uh, the first question I always start off with is uh, a couple of years ago at Coachella, there was a hologram concert for the rapper Tupac. What dead artist or band would you like to see a hologram concert of? Oh, uh, Aaliyah. Uh, yeah, okay. Aaliyah. All right, great. She'd be really cool uh, to have in like a holographic uh, one. So it's like, a, tell me, what would be the ideal actor that you'd love to work with? Who's like the one that it's like, if you get a chance to, you're going to be like, oh my God. <laughs> I would love, love, love to work with Miranda July. Miranda mm -hmm. July. Okay. 
Um, okay, it's the zombie apocalypse, and you get to have uh, only two weapons. One is a melee weapon, you know, like a machete or some kind of handheld weapon, or uh, and a uh, a firearm. What melee weapon would you choose, and what firearm would you use in the zombie apocalypse? Oh my goodness, jeez! <laughs> I don't, I don't think I know enough about firearms. <laughs> um. So, oh, so like a hand, yeah, they probably a smaller, easier to use hand gun sort of thing. <laughs> and, and something to bash somebody with, like a machete, a hammer. A... Oh, I, I've used the machete before, so I could probably, I could deal with that. So we'll get her a Glock yeah. and a machete and she's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the hammer. There you go. Yeah. You get three weapons in one. Three weapons in one. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, tell me, it's like a favorite genre of music that you can't live without when you're on set. Oh, sorry. What was the favorite? What genre of music that you can't live without on set? Um. I you have to have that in the trailer. Mm. Oh, well, I mean, I have a, an amazing musician, um, Pearl Lion, uh, Ann Lyon, that's, I, I oh my gosh, I, I, I would not, the movie would not have been the same if I didn't have her music in the soundtrack or in the trailer. Uh, and I have it in the trailer of my pitch video this time, too. She's just freaking amazing. So I will pick her. Mm. Very cool. She, so she's your jam. Yeah, just mm -hmm. emotional. She knows exactly what I'm go I've been through, what I'm going through, exactly what I'm trying to figure out, and it just perfectly aligns in our in our lives. We actually met in college, or my freshman year of college, and it's just just kind of it was just like perfect, perfect. All right. What's Alexia's <laughs> uh, favorite guilty pleasure? Junk food. Junk. Food. Well, I like I like dark chocolate and and then popcorn. Okay. okay. But organic popcorn with real butter. Okay, I can I can dig it. Go ahead, great. Yeah, it's so. Tell me, it's like a, if you could have one thing spoiling you on set, what's it going to be? Oh, coconut water. Coconut water? Yeah, I nice. always have coconut water because I have to stay hydrated. Most important. Okay. Here is the final question. You got to help a brother out. A young man is going out on a date in, uh, you're in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. A young, uh, a young man is going out on a date with a young lady in Los Angeles, and he's going to Auntie Alexia for advice. So you got to tell this man... What is a good date to take a young lady out on in Los Angeles? You got to help him out. It's all on you. Just any date or like the it's like date? like the first date. And he wants to impress this woman. So it's up to you, Alexia, or you don't want yeah. him to fail. Well, you want to choose something that maybe says a lot about you. So um, probably choose... 
I would, well, what not to do is don't take them to a movie because you're not going to be talking to them. So something where you're either talking to, you're going to be able to talk to them and really get to know them. Um, so dinner or a group dinner, things like that. Uh, so something where like a, like a picnic or a hike or something where you'd actually get to know the person and get intimate with, you know, who you are. Okay. And also too, in a screening of an Alexia Anastasio uh, film, right? Sorry. Can you just repeat that? I said, of course, a screening of an Alexia Anastasio film is always good too, right? But not on the first date. <laughs> not on the first date. You know, in, in the, they'll be crying. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going I'm to definitely uh, keep that in mind when I go on my next date. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, there you go. It's like it, it, you have to save her for like the very special occasion. Yeah. No, yeah. At, least, at least like the fifth. The fifth date is okay, but not the first date. Mm-hmm. And then I, I can be there like, you go. then I can be like, uh, hey, I know the filmmaker. <laughs> you know, it'll make me look real cool. That's fine. But like, <laughs> until that moment, like, it's about you too. <laughs> there you go. That's right. All right. So how can, how can we get you in social media, websites, and uh, what's the next project we need to be on the lookout for you with? Yeah, so you can find my new... Time to shamelessly plug. Okay, so (laughs) the new film, I have the custom domain name, um, santamonicomovie.com. And then I have my website, which is alexianastasio.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A-A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-O. Most platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter... Pinterest, you know, the like. So, but you can contact me through my website. And then right now I have, I'm, I have a rocket hub campaign going on. So that's on Santa Monica movie.com. All right. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gray? How can we get you? Well, let's see. Well, the, you can get me on Twitter now, apparently in two different ways on this one, as well as uh, at movie time indie. Uh, as well as you can get me on Facebook, Bizipedia, LinkedIn. Gosh, there's far, far, far too many ways of getting in touch with me, but this is great because it's like you can get in touch with, on Stage 32, um, on Slated, also on DFCN. Um, gosh, it's like a... There's tons of uh, ways of getting it, but the best ones is like also can directly go on my website, www.pastlivesproductionsinc.net, and uh, see the latest and greatest trailer with that as well. And goodness, like I, uh, I've said a million times, if you can't find me, you're not stalking me hard enough. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You can get me at Kente F. And, of course, you can go to Indie Radio, I-N-D-Y, radio.org to find out what we're working on. Uh, Stay tuned because in about 27 minutes, uh, we'll be back here as well as on Indie Radio with the Infectious Geek Show. That's uh, Olaf and uh, Tori Rush's program. So if you guys want to check that out, please do come right back and we'll be uh, joining you. So uh, I was, it's always a lot of fun to hanging out with you, Alexia. You're Thank you. Thank person. you so much for having me. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
And uh, so we'll get you catch you next time. We'll be back next week, right? Yes, we are back next week, and our guest next week will be Adam, Krenz, uh, Adam Krenzman. So you'll have a chance to be able to talk with Adam during that time on the, on the 11th, as well as also our next guest after uh, that will be Todd Berger coming up as well. So we are having a couple of fantastic guests uh, coming up on our schedule. It's like, uh, and we will be doing a lovely uh, roundabout of our season. And Alexi, we'd love to have you back again if you are willing to join us. Of course. All right. Fantastic. Catch you next time.